0: It's November and as the year 2020 is finally coming to an end, we're taking a look at a variety of topics, discussing how you can try to achieve position zero in your SEO listings. Join us today for episode 62 of AV Social, Position Zero.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV.
2: This.
0: This. This is AV Nation. Nation.
2: This is AV Nation.
0: This is is AV Social Episode 62, Position Zero.
2: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by
0: Extron, industry-leading
2: technology backed by world-class
0: support. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of AV Social. I'm Dawn Mead, your host here at avnation.tv, and I am joined today by two wonderful guests that know a lot about marketing and communications. First, we have Miss Haley Klein, who is the, and if I get this wrong, correct me, the Marketing and Communications Director at PSNI. Good
1: job. Yes, you got it.
0: Right. Thank you for being here this evening.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: We're recording in the evening, so pardon me if I say evening a lot. <laughs> and also joining us this evening, this afternoon today, is Krista Bender. And what, I, I knew your title, I had it a second ago. <laughs> uh, con- customer service.
2: Yeah, client services manager. Client
0: services manager at Pivot Communications. I was close. I was... <laughs> yeah, you are I was, I was close. <laughs> well, thank you for coming today. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. Absolutely. So today we're going to do a little bit of a hodgepodge because we're going to talk about several different topics. If you recall, on our last show, um, I and my guests, we talked about uh, customer experience. And we talked about it based on an article by Michael Brunner called 17 Digital Marketing Trends You Need to Know for 2020 and headed into 2021 since, of course, this year's a wash. Um but we're going to jump around and talk about several of the other topics in that article because I think there's a lot of great info here and stuff that we should be thinking about. Um, you know, it's now November. We're looking ahead to 2021. We're hoping the world will be open so that we can go to shows and do events and have, you know, the the regular marketing that we're familiar with. But we don't know. Maybe, maybe not. So we're going to look at some of these topics and see how we can continue to market and reach out to our potential customers while dealing with an uncertain world in marketing. And one of the first ones I'm going to talk about with you all is employee activation. So employee activation, basically, it's, you know, we all know this, it's your employees are your first line of defense. They are your Face of your company, um, you know CEOs and presidents and CFOs, they might be in the magazines or on the web page as the leadership, but they're not the people your customers see every day. Even salespeople, to some extent, aren't the people your customers see every day. But it's your employees. And one kind of scary but interesting fact is that research has found 46% of consumers, so almost 50% of consumers. Will abandon a brand if their employees are not knowledgeable, and bad employee attitude is the number one factor stopping individuals from doing business with a company. And I think we have all experienced this in the non-av world. In the greater world, there are stories about you know, Comcast is the devil, or or uh, uh, you know, AT and T or whoever you know, horrible customer service that often leads to people not wanting to work with them. So looking at this, how do we work on getting our employees more engaged or more active as the face of a company? Um, Haley, let's start with you. What do you, what do you think? You're a people person. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. uh, Shout out to Comcast. I agree. Horrible, horrible customer service, but (laughs) um, actually this is very relevant for PSNI right now. We just actually completed our annual employee engagement survey. So, I think kind of the first thing to your question really would be tapping into your employees on a frequent basis. Um, PSNI, we offer that on a yearly basis, basis around the world. Um, so we kind of engage everyone on every region at every level. Um, we send out a free survey and we basically kind of gauge how people are doing, especially I think most relevant ever in a year of COVID. Um, it was It was scary to do such a thing because we, you know, basically a lot of owners saying, hey, I don't want to hear that everyone wants to work from home from now on or that everyone is unhappy with the way things are right now because we kind of get it. We know that right now. So I think um, the first step to kind of keeping those employees engaged is checking in with them, which seems kind of obvious, but I think we often can forget the obvious. So um, checking in with your employees is a really great way to start. And then kind of actually listening to that data as it compiles and seeing how you can make some relevant changes within your organizations. Um, you know, we were le- learning a lot about just, you know, some people really do want to work from home. Some people are having a very difficult time staying engaged within their own organizations. All of those little things, you know, can start to really add up to, to your point, um, give a bad customer experience. So I think the most obvious, but probably most overlooked, is just physically tapping in <laughs> to the resources you have at hand.
0: OK, great. Um, one of the things that we find in a lot of companies is that your company culture plays a lot of, of, of a role with um, getting your employees engaged, getting them excited about doing their jobs, but also being part of your company doing what you do, if that makes sense. Um, and, and that involves, you know, usually a lot of training, um, you know, being allowed to post on social media, um, involvement in creating videos, white papers. Um, actually, the company I was with right before where I am now and I can't talk about, um, they had a really extensive company culture program where those of us in communications would go onto the workroom floor or would go to the digital side of the business or would go to fabrication and and talk with people and ask them, you know, just basically interview internal uh, people, internal staff and say, you know, tell me about your job or what you want folks to know about and really get them involved in that messaging. Krista, have you found, um, you know, Pivot, you have a lot of customers. Have you found a lot of companies willing to do that or, or any way that you, to encourage companies to be more proactive about getting their employees engaged with their brand?
2: Um, it is something we always try to to get. Uh, it's, it's really great when we can get a client to have a lot of buy-in uh, from different departments because, um, you know, sales and marketing go hand in hand, even though sometimes they fight against each other or marketing doesn't exist, you know, and, and it's, you know, wild west. You know sometimes um i've worked at at companies where it was like that um it it depends you know some are really good at getting buy-in and some aren't for a variety of reasons and maybe it ties into um you know what haley and you were talking about earlier is the company culture you know if they don't have their inner departments talking to each other anyway um you know on a friendly basis besides just getting work done um, it's really hard to to have that unified front. Um, so, yeah, sometimes uh, we we have a positive uh, ability to have that, and sometimes it don't we don't. it all depends. you know, and and when we when we have clients where we can't get you know full feedback or in internal information, we we do the best with what we can work with and you know go from there.
0: right. Um, so last show, when we talked about this article in the past about customer experience, Uh, There was a statistic from Bain and Company that said a mere 5% boost in customer retention increases profit by 25%. Um, Talking about employee engagement, they found that if you generate leads, if your employees generate leads through social media posts, they're seven times more likely to convert than leads you generate through other channels. That's a really powerful statistic. I mean, you know... We're all about wanting to convert, um, but at the same time, we're all about wanting to protect our brand and, and, and you know, worry about what people are posting. They, the Internet is rife with examples of people posting badly uh, for their companies. Um, either one of you, is, is there a way that we can encourage our employees? I mean, I know I kind of just asked Chris to this, but get them more involved on the social front while not completely handcuffing them, but keeping them within the brand I mean, what is there a best practice for that? What's what's the secret sauce?
1: Um, when I was at Vadio, we had a we had kind of a unique situation where we had kind of we were at liberty to have our own kind of social handles, um, via Twitter or Facebook or whatever it may be. Um, but we also they also did a very good job at putting together kind of a Vadio crew, they called it. Um so essentially any employee could go underneath the Vadio crew Twitter handle. And they were able to post as they saw fit. Now, there's pros and cons to that. Of course, you have to have somebody monitoring that because you could get the random employee who grew the wild hair and said something that maybe they shouldn't have. I myself was guilty in sending a picture of, you know, a product that wasn't released yet and, you know, wasn't shipping yet. And yet I was like, oh, look. And then we got, you know, I got in a little trouble for that one. But I was like, hey, I'm doing a marketing job here. Um, so that was a, that was kind of a fun way. I know a lot of companies internally will try to do um, just little contests. So if you can get your teams to post, you know, 10 things a month or something to that effect, they'll kind of have a name in a drawing um, to get some sort of prize or maybe a PTO day or something to that effect. Um, I, think, I think the whole point or the goal is to really try to empower your team to have a voice and, and let them really. Let them understand why it's important, help them to um, go through that training as to, here's why this makes a difference because you know our brand better than anybody else possibly does. Once the, you know, engineer team in a manufacturing company can like understand that and once they feel empowered to have that voice, they'll post some of the best things that you could possibly have, so much better than the average marketing person can do because they just understand the nuts and bolts so much better than the average person. So I think trying to, again, empower your team and maybe encourage them through a fun way is always a really excellent way to do it. And I think to your point, Dawn, um the more, the more people you can get involved from any single peer group, I think is going to be the better result. It's just a matter of, I think, first the education portion um, as to why it's important, why it matters and why we think you're so good at this, and then kind of. You know, sometimes even just training them on how to do it, I've had to do it with my team, just, here's what a hashtag means, guys. Here's here's why you post here rather than there, like just simple things. But being patient and just kind of teaching people the way, I think is goes a long way.
0: Right? That's great too, the idea of having like contests and things or or I mean, that also helps build company culture, you know, having these events like a come up with your best hashtag or or Celebrating
1: the wins, I think, is the other thing too. Like celebrating, like, oh look, we actually got a lot of traction on this, or look what so and so did. It was so funny, and like you know, shouting them out at the company meeting or whatever. People appreciate just a tiny bit of acknowledgement. So, always a good way to to do that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah,
2: and I think that also ties into um, like the employee engagement, circling back to that. Um, you know, because without getting too nerdy about social, as Many people know, like the more people that share it or retweet it, it's now going out to more people and you're having more impressions, you're having more reach. So there's a very good chance that maybe somebody isn't following your company's handle on Twitter, but they're following Haley or they're following Dawn or they're following Krista. And then because that person, you know, retweeted or reshared it or on Facebook, whatever platform. Um, they now have the chance to see it and maybe they are now at a position where, wow, that actually speaks to me and I have that need, then you you can solve. Um, I found not uh, my job at Pivot, but my last job at an integrator on Twitter. I just happened to see a job posted and I'm like, oh, you know what? That sounds great. Let me apply. What's the worst that happens? I don't get it. Like, And I got it. And then I made the, the move. Like, And then I, I, I went and And took the job um so it's it's little things like that of understanding like the impact that social media can have because um you know a lot of companies do see the value in it and then some still don't and maybe it's because they're not social media savvy and they don't have a team you know set in place for it but um it can provide a lot of value you know for you know getting your brand out there new hires um, employee engagement, everything that we just talked about is a, a really big benefit for social.
0: Right. As you can tell, I really like social. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all, those of us that are recording this? And, you know, the AV tweets, we get it. It's the folks that aren't AV tweets. We yes. need to pull them in. <laughs> um, Krista, you brought a great segue over. Um, so, yeah, people don't know what social brings. Well, you know, as of a few years ago, Social was suddenly added to the Google algorithms for showing up in search results, which previously they had not been. And so, you know, having this active social presence can often boost you in Google search and and the other search engines. So let's talk for a moment, shifting gears, to talk about search engine optimization. Um, You know, it's a topic we've talked about before. It's a topic that always changes. You never know when Google's going to whip out a new algorithm or something's going to change with the way the bots spider, you know, spider all over the Internet. Um, You know, one of the things that the article that I keep referring to uh, talks about is the fact that as we go into the last half of 2020, which this was written in July, um, there are some big shifts happening in the world of SEO, and they've been slowly working their way through over the past decade. Um, Because people use mobile so much and voice search, people are changing how they search for things and they're changing how they view those results. And one of the big things is it used to be if you're not on the first page of search, you don't exist. So you want to aim for like that number one or two spot on the page, that's changed a little bit. Now, it's not just your being on the top search engine result page, or SERP, as they call it, but now you don't want to be in position one or two. You want to be in what they call position zero, or the featured snippets, the little, you know, the ads at the top that are maybe paid for, but sometimes the things at the top aren't paid for. They just got featured because of some magic alchemy, um, and they refer to that as, as the best on SERP seo um now of course the article is saying you know we're not exactly sure how this is happening yet so let's figure it out but they did say over 60 percent of search results returned by google today are because of featured snippets as opposed to traditional seo um krista i know you do a lot with search engine um Optimization and and web search, that sort of thing. I think you were the HubSpot coordinator at Pivot. Um, what 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 can you tell us about this new on SERP or or featured snippet thing? Uh, give us some give us some advice.
1: Um, well, it, it ultimately
2: you know part of it does still go back to you know being able to find your your website and your content. You know the Google and you know, or Bing or whatever, but let's just say Google, because that's like the big one, you know, they need for your website to be able to rank and whether it's in, you know, the one through a million or as a snippet, they got to be able to find it. Right. Um, you know, and then basically they take a look at it and view it for what is in there. You know, it, what's the topics, what's being covered, what's the keywords. And then ultimately too, if a lot of people have gone to your and clicked on your webpage page they realize that that is something that is um, very informative so that it gives you a better chance of getting up higher for your rankings. So um, yeah, there's a lot of like secret sauce behind it, like, like with their algorithms and everything. But like, that's like the, the, the very basic part of it is that, you know, you, you have content that's out there, people are going to it and it's relevant and you have the proper keywords like keywords are, are super important. And for me, like I, I look at it a lot as well, like your meta description, like to me, like, because that's how I know if I'm going to click on a link, you know, and it's for people that may or may not what know what meta description is. That's like the 150 Roughly characters that are underneath of a link that tells you what that link is about. You know, if if you want to learn about dinosaurs, and it, that meta description tells you that triceratops have three horns and they walk on four <laughs> legs. You know, you're like, oh, cool, that sounds right. Like I'm gonna click that link. You know, and then um, so you know, there's like little things like that that also I think help with with finding that too. That if you don't set up your um, web page correctly with those kinds of things, like meta description, it's less likely that it's gonna people are gonna click on the link, and you may drop down and search them.
0: Right, and I know that's something that over time has evolved as the algorithms have evolved, and as as the internet has evolved. You know, back in the '90s, I'm aging myself here. You know, when we first were hand coding HTML web pages. You know, we had meta tags, and we had to put those little meta tags in everything, and that's what you would stuff all your keywords in. And then, if you were extra sneaky, you'd put like four rows of those keywords at the bottom of your page in (laughs) -hmm. the same color font as the background, so it would show up a bunch. You know, and and Google and 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 Bing and and if you're in Parks and Rec World, Alta Vista, you know, they're they're aware of these tricks, and they've changed their algorithms to avoid them. Um, But one trick that I know came into prominence after that era, and I think it's still relevant, um, and Haley, you might be able to talk to this, uh, is the use of backlinks. Um, what are backlinks? Why should we do them? Are they still important? Haley?
1: Yeah, to uh, Chris's point, so um, having authority within your your blogs, your pages, your website, um, a lot of that can revolve around linking back to other websites who also have authority and have, have shown that. So pulling um, a statistic, and Krista helps me do this a lot, but pulling a statistic with, um, you know, a different type of, of a, different, a different blog, essentially on my blog helps me to do that. So kind of working together on two different um, blogs kind of to amp up your ranking. And then that kind of shows your authority that you know what you're talking about or that you're linking back to someone who does, um, mm-hmm. I believe. Also I think just speaking back a little bit, um, I think that people are searching a lot more um, specifically now than they used to. So um, you know in the back in the day like like you would you would search on Google like CTA call to actions, right? But now it's best call to actions for a landing page, best call to actions for my event, best call to actions. So we're getting a lot more granular and a lot more specific and I think that is a big part of the snippet conversation. Um, I think that the more specific you can get in your search or rather the content that you're providing for a specific search, um, I think that is what helps you ultimately get a little bit more featured. So doing things like lists and doing things like um, just getting very, very specific to those and then having, you know, if you have a, a DIY or a Q&A or something to that effect and you can physically show an image, all of those things play a bigger role. Um, so I think it's more about trying to get, again, very granular and very down into the point and not trying to rank for everything that embarks the CTA in that example, but rather what are the specific things I can speak to. I think that actually helps a lot. And but taking that, backlinking that to somebody like a HubSpot in that example, who um, really knows what they're talking about in that respect. And Krista is really good with the backlinking. So Krista, I hope I'm not butchering this in your opinion. <laughs> um, but yes, I think that's something that that really helps with the, with the snippet conversation, helping the SEO all, all around. Great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to yeah. add to that?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, the Haley's right on, Yeah, with backlinks, you know, if you can link to something that, you know, has a lot of authority, it does really help. Um, you know, if it happens to be, you know, one of your own pieces of content, you know, that's even better. Um, oh, and I just lost my train of thought. I was gonna, you know, get something <laughs> really awesome, but um, it, It is a little bit to Haley's point, which um, whether or not we're ready to segue to something else, but um, people are doing a lot more research now and and buyers are like, you know, that, you know, most buyers now are like looking at seven to eight pieces of content or sites or, or or solutions before they make a decision, you know, or start to narrow down that they're ready to, to buy something, whatever it is. So, um, you know, there's this plethora of information out there, and to Haley's point, the more um, specific you can be, um, the better it is. Um, and a few years ago, um, I know HubSpot came out with something called like pillar pages, kind of like topic clusters, right? So if you want to talk about like let's just say SEO, you know, you can have like your very generic basic seo 101 kind of blog which you know will rank a little bit you know for basic stuff but then you can add in like maybe three to four other blogs that get really specific into you know snippets or keywords or you know alt texting your images which is a big help you know for uh, when there's uh, google is scrolling your content Um, so yeah that's my add-in
1: the other thing i would add to that too is um you know, with the snippets and then the backlinking with all of that. I think the other element to that with SEO ranking is obviously um, how how are people finding it? And that's where we came back to social before and people, you know, wanting to share that information. So um, I think that when you are backlinking or you're linking like in in the common AV integrator space, um, backlinking to your manufacturing partners and their technology solutions, whatever this, you know, topic may be, um, that manufacturer is more likely than to share, right? So then they're sharing it to their audience. That also helps. Um, maybe it's the person on LinkedIn that we got to do this because they're so engaged as an employee and they're the ones who did the uh, the comment itself. So again, all of that kind of plays its role too. I think that's the other really cool piece of that is people are more likely to share when they have something to say about it. So that's also a great way to go about it.
0: Right. Well, th- speaking of things to say... Um... <laughs> I mentioned a few minutes ago uh, that, you know, voice search is something that we're starting to see more and more of. Um, And as we go into 2021, I'm sure it's only going to grow more. Uh, As of when Mr. Brenner wrote this article, about 20 percent of all searches on Google were made by voice, and they're predicting 50 percent being reached sooner rather than later, possibly by the end of the year. This was as of July. Um, We already know that 61% of those age 25 to 64 already use a voice device and intend to use it more in the future. We've got a quarter of all U.S. households already owning Google Home or Amazon Echo or another smart speaker. So voice is a new search tool that we need to look at. Um, One of the things that is brought up as a suggestion is coming up with branded skills. Now, I know back in the day, it was like, ooh, apps are the new thing. Everybody needs an app. Even if our company doesn't really need an app, we're going to make an app because apps are the cool buzzword. Um, And I can see branded skills kind of having that same effect. But for those who don't know, branded skills are marketing through smart speakers. For example, uh, the tequila brand Patron has a smart branded skill that goes onto the smart speakers and you can say, hey Google, okay, Google, hey Siri, hey Amazon, uh ask Patron for a cocktail recipe. And then it will find a recipe, you know, or help you find a recipe that can use tequila in it. Um now how we translate that to A V, you know, that's something we can experiment. And again, it could be one of those things that it's just the buzzword and and everybody's going to have an app and doesn't need it. (laughs) Everyone's going to have a branded skill and doesn't need it. But um, I mean, does, does this sound like something that in our industry specifically, we could find a way to leverage?
1: I certainly feel as though we certainly should. So uh, Frank, to be completely honest, I mean, this is not something I have dug into personally. However, given we are in a, technology related field. I feel we should be using the technology at hand. Um, I know that a lot of our integration partners and again in light of COVID have gotten creative and so now voice um, control has become a very you know, big way and just the way that we control our rooms and our video conferencing and everything so that we're not all touching the same thing. So I certainly think with the popularity increasing of the random Alexa that I can't say because she'll hear me right now <laughs> right next to me and she'll ruin our show or what have you. Um, I do think that that popularity will increase, but that will have certain expectations. And therefore as marketers, we certainly should be prepared to have a presence because it is going to happen. I think voice search is only becoming more and more popular. So something that apparently I'm behind on and I need to get going on. <laughs> <laughs> As I said,
0: this was just written in July, you know, it's fairly new. So I just no. throw <laughs> it out there. And see what you guys think about it, Kristen. Yeah. Your thoughts I that? mean, it's something that will, will be happening
2: and is evolving because I know we, you know, we've been collectively, we in our industry oh. have been talking about bringing voice commands into conference rooms and boardrooms for a while, pretty much ever since the, alexa had um, made its way out Um, you know people the the trends often are that if something is successful in the home and it's easy to use and people want to use it it gets brought into the conference room like i remember when iphones came out and that was very um at the time consumer because most businesses use blackberry right and then i saw the big push because the iphones were so easy to use that some employees were like, no, IT department, I want to use my iPhone as my work phone. And then you saw the shift over to that. And that's, you know, again, happening with voice. Um, I would like to see um, more professional um, voice options. And I know companies are working on that and it's hard because you have to think about how people are gonna talk. as far as what they're going to say, you know, like conversationally, long ter- long tail keywords, commands, like what is it that you um, are trying to get people to do, right? Um, and, you know, then you have the whole language barrier and dialects and, and figuring that out. Like I had an A-L-E-X-A um, hooked up downstairs. I finally turned it off because I was, um, I didn't want to go through and hack and jailbreak it and try to make it um, respond to a different name. I didn't like the four options that it, it has because ECHO is a car that I actually own. So I couldn't use that because I actually say that um, uh, commercials on TV for both the, the company and the product often would turn it on. And, then ran, and I wouldn't say C-O-M-P-U-T-E-R. Because you talk about those things all day, so it's like my options were really um, bad. Because you know I'm in a nerdy house. Me and my husband talk nerd stuff, like so. um, And then it would just randomly turn on. So I turned that thing off, and I do not use it. I would like to be like the Jetsons. I want some voice command, but um, right now the the, it's very uh, limited in. customization. And I think that's ultimately what I'm getting to is is when we can get do better at being able to customize it to what we're really trying to do. Um, I think it's great. I I know a few years ago, Amex Harmon, they worked with, I don't recall the name of the chain, like a hotel. um, And they were doing um, some professional um, voice commands in hotel rooms that people could walk in, You know and i i guess say like turn on the light or do whatever um and and that was a thing which is really cool um so i am looking forward to when that becomes um more every day
0: right um yeah and you mentioned you know dialects and things like that i think we've all at this point seen some of those great videos uh you know where siri or alex alexa because she's in the next room here Um, try to talk to a Scotsman or an Irishman or Mm -hmm. (laughs) someone with a strong accent, and it just goes horribly awry. Um, So those are some good points. Personally, you know, and and this is a topic I threw out to you guys without really having thought about it much myself, but I think this may be something more for our manufacturers to look at. Um, You know, we're still in the growth phase for using video and like things like YouTube and Vimeo for promoting our companies and our products. And to this day, I maintain the absolute best AV video that I've seen online is a 16-second video from Pioneer Car Stereos because my, my SUV before the one I have now, it was daylight savings. How in God's name do I change this radio on this car. And, you know, the the font is like half a point font in, in the manual that's 12,000 pages long. There was no way to find out. I went on YouTube, I had Pioneer, model number, set clock, and they had a 16 second video. Here is how you set the clock on the Pioneer blah blah. Mm-hmm. And they just showed it to you and described it. And it was the best Video, I, I mean, it's how many years later. I don't even have that car anymore. I still talk about it. Right. And I think that these voice controls, that sort of thing, that may be the realm of our, our, our large manufacturer friends um, to give us, you know, hey, Samsung, how do I make this smart TV work? Or, hey, uh, you know, AMX, since you, somebody mentioned Harman, AMX, uh, how do I, you know, set up this whatever Mm -hmm. um i I think that may be more relevant to our industry but they do say that the content that uses uh voice commands as content have a better chance of being picked up as a featured snippet and Mm -hmm. found on position zero in google so it has its value but don't make an app just to make an app Basically.
2: I have a feeling that it may um, our desire for voice may get accelerated too with the current pandemic because that's often a feature now that people are wanting because they want touch free you know applications so now a lot of things if they weren't already I'm not trying to take us off topic but I love talking about this stuff you know a lot of things now are being able to be controlled on your device you know your smartphone or your tablet or your laptop Um, And then even beyond that, if you can have a voice control element to that, like imagine a teacher being able to go into a room that's used by five teachers in a day and it magically being able to know that Professor Johnson's coming in right now and know his voice. Right. Right. And then, you know, the next person comes in I mean, and that's probably due to some scheduling as well that could be behind the scenes. But it would ultimately be great if um, that's it. Or it could be as simple as somebody walking into the room and saying, turn on projector, you know, turn on, you know, whatever else that needs to be, turn on displays, turn on audio conferencing, whatever's in the room. Um, so I I suspect that a lot of that probably is getting more R&D now because it's a bigger demand for it.
0: Right. And I don't think you went off topic one bit because you actually, once again, gave me the perfect segue to the last topic I was going to bring up. And it's not even in the article. I'm going wildly off, off book here, folks. But... Because of COVID, because we're going to more voice commands, because we're looking to market more touch free in this germ ridden era. Um, One thing that we had viewed as having an app for the sake of having an app or just a trend to hop on is a bunch of years ago, we were all super, super excited about this cool, weird thing called the QR code. And then it died out because that was like a big trend, you know, oh, we're all going to have QR codes. Everybody's going to use it. It's the wave of the future. And then trend over, it's gone. It's back. It's, it's back. It's yeah, made researches. <laughs> I, I went out to dinner with my mother before they closed yeah. all the restaurants, mm-hmm. but after the pandemic started and there were no menus, there was just a mm-hmm. QR code taped down on the middle of the table and you scan it with your phone and you get the menu on your phone and you can, you know, only touch your own device. My mom's almost 80, so I ended up having to sit there with my phone and read the whole menu to her until she figured out what she wanted. But, um, you know, it, it's that sort of thing. We're starting to see it on tables and bars and restaurants and even wayfinding and and, and connectivity. Um, I know the solstice, the immersive thing, you know, you scan a QR code to join the meeting or you can you know, scan a QR code on wayfinding to get directions on your phone. Uh, is this back to stay? Uh, I hope so. It's a trend. (laughs) I mean, I think
2: so because everything you just mentioned, yeah, I've seen and I've seen it like elsewhere too. Um, you know, I'm a big cyclist as some people know. And one of the trails I was riding on, there's a, a very heavily car traveled intersection that is dangerous to cross. Right. And there's no like crossing right now. And, um, there was a paper on the, uh, um, near the crossing on both sides and it had a QR code and it was to fill out a survey and, and what you thought and what they should do and, you know, things like that. So again, like public safety type things. Um, so yeah, I think the QR code is probably going to make a comeback now. I mean, it has made a comeback and I think that's really great, you know, and it, it may, and it probably will, stick around or morph into something else as because I can't imagine that now that that we're going to touch free, that that goes away when COVID goes away.
0: Right. Haley, your thoughts on the, on the resurgence of the humble QR. You can let the puppy Um, work. It's fine. Just bring the puppy on screen.
1: (laughs) Thinking puppies. Um, Agreed. It is. It seems to be the modern day CTA in a, modern day landing page rather. I think that it's, uh, I think at the end of the day, it's just all about using it responsibly. (laughs) So don't use it and send people to a giant 200 page catalog. That's probably not the best use of it, but using it for a digital signage factor, learning more about a company and taking it to that personalized experience where it's not information overload, but has the relevant information you need in the restaurant scenario, I I went through the same exact thing recently and I was like, oh God, I haven't used, used a QR code forever. And I didn't, I didn't, I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. But once I did it and it was so simplistic and so easy, I really enjoyed the experience. So I think that's the point is I think they're absolutely here to stay. I think technology has evolved enough where it's not difficult. I remember my first little iPhone. It was hard to get my little QR code to go. So I think as technology has evolved, I think, you know, remember when you used to have to download an app to yeah. make the QR code work. We don't have that anymore. Now it's straight up. It's your camera. You and the it camera. So, yeah, I think, I think as long as the experience remains simplistic and then we do a good job, whoever's on the other end of that QR code, that marketer um, does a good job, but no information overload, but a really good personalized experience for the reason they're there. I think, yeah, I think it absolutely has a very powerful and good reason to stay.
0: To, to be fair, I was the idiot on my phone, Googling how to read a QR code on this specific phone. So I was like, do I need to download an app? And then, oh, just no. use my camera. Okay. Yep. It's so but nice. Just it's, so much it out. Easier. it's
1: good stuff. <laughs> it
0: is. <laughs> um, actually, you know, uh, all joking aside, I think it is, as Krista and Haley said, it's going to be something that's here to stay. And it is about targeted info, Literally last week, I spoke with my boss and he said, those code things that look like a square with all the dots and the lines. Yes, a QR code. <laughs> he wanted me to show him how to make one. I gave him, a, you know, I found a free app that was highly rated, put it on his phone. He was using it for personal stuff. But then he's like, this is great. I want to put one of these in every conference room that will link to the audiovisual services page on the company intranet directly to the instructions for that room so if it's a touch panel room yeah that's a great idea the qr code and it gives you we don't have to make manuals anymore print them out you know spiral bind them or whatever it just snap oh that's how i use this room different type of room snap oh that's how i use this room snap oh that's who i call when i broke this room
1: (laughs) yeah so Mm -hmm. um so much easier for the average person who walks into that room and always has that issue. I mean, it's such a, it's at their fingertips. You don't have to whip out the old manual and figure out what to do or who to call. So again, an excellent example.
0: So marketing folks, if you're like me at my first three integrators and you're in charge of putting together all the manuals of how to make things work in your rooms, don't take the time to do that. Just make QR codes to stick on your, on your room, you know, in your room, and take five minutes out of their training to say, scan this, you'll get instructions.
2: Yeah. Cause also in reality, some of those rooms, like especially the higher end rooms, when you really think about it, like an executive boardroom, nobody wants that binder seen. Right. So, right. so where can you hide it? If there's not even a rack or a rack closet in the room, like how, how would you hide that anyway? So if, if you, if you're relying on the, you know, the, the hard paper, um, uh, instructions, chances are they're on an IT guy's desk somewhere or or somewhere or in another room and you're not going to have it anyway. So yeah, absolutely. Because truthfully, you know, when you walk into a room, you know, most people want it to be one touch anyway, right? And so if you can't one touch and there's an issue or whatever, you should be able to snap the QR code and it should be able to I would say, give you like four steps to be able to turn on this system if you can't one touch it. And then if, if that can't, then it gives you the uh, IT or AV
0: guy to call or gal. Right, great, yeah. I absolutely agree and I'm making my boss do that now. (laughs) (laughs) When you're a technology manager of a whole lot of rooms, you gotta take them shortcuts when you can.
2: (laughs) And save some trees. Yes,
0: well, that's about our time here. um, for, for, For a bit of a jumping around hodgepodge, I think we had a pretty great discussion. Um, And I do want to thank both Haley and Krista for being here. So, as you know, our AV Nation tradition, we're going to go around, say where people can find you, where they can find your company, and what you're up to. Haley, let's start with you.
1: Sounds good. So you can find me at PSNI underscore Haley on Twitter. You can find PSNI at PSNI underscore AV on Twitter, or of course, PSNI Global Alliance on LinkedIn or Facebook. And we are at www.psni.org.
0: And what's your noisy Dog's name?
1: <laughs> Tippy and Hank, <laughs> Tippy and Hank, give them scriptures for us.
0: <laughs> Thanks well, for coming on the show, Krista. Uh, so where can folks find you and Pivot Communications? Sure. Uh, if uh, you can go to the website,
2: uh, it's PivotSLC. Uh, that's like Salt Lake City, um, PivotSLC.com. Um, if you want to uh, get a hold of me, um, you can um, find me on Twitter. Uh, Instagram or if anybody still Snapchats in the United States, I seem to Snapchat with people overseas. Um, you can find me at AV Krista um, or uh, on LinkedIn at uh, I'm Krista Bender. Uh, same with Pivot. You can find uh, Pivot. Uh, I think it's Pivot Communications on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, if you want to email me even, AV Krista at Gmail. I made it really easy. I like branded early. And so then it was very easy for me to port around to whatever uh company i was at so
0: exactly no tiktok though
2: I don't <laughs> TikTok, no i i i see the uh the desire but i i don't have time for that
0: <laughs> spoken like a true old get off my yard uh gen Xer <laughs> or what you're millennial gen x what are you there
2: uh i'm gen x i just it's just there's only so much time in the day yeah. you know And And basically, my day goes by the time zones because, like, you know, I'm often chatting with people around the world on a daily basis. Um, (laughs) So it's a matter of what time of day it is. And then, you know, what am I doing at at night? What am I doing when I'm free time? So TikTok just had to be cut from the
0: the list. (laughs) Cut from the list. Uh, There's very few Gen Xers on there anyway, so don't worry about it. As for me, folks, you can find me, Dawn Mead, on uh, most of the social networks, including TikTok, although I haven't posted yet. Um, if I'm not at Dawn Mead or, yeah, at Dawn Mead, I'm either Don Mead or AV Dawn. I'm on the Twitters as AV Dawn, the Snappy Chat, the Instas, you know, all those things, at AV Dawn. You can always find me here on avnation.tv, showing up on tim's av week to annoy him and of course hosting av social here every periodically um don't look for me at work i can't tell you about that but uh you know you can find me all those other places you can also on aviation.tv find a page with a list of all of our sponsors and underwriters the great folks of the manufacturers and uh, integrators who make it possible for us to bring you this show and many others Um, with that being said, thank you all for, for enjoying this, uh, discussion on AV social with myself, Krista and Haley, and we look forward to seeing you next time.